You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's get real serious for a minute, real serious for a minute. You guys know that every Wednesday night, uh, every first Wednesday night of the month, all school year, we've been tackling really hard topics. We've talked about anxiety and depression. We've talked about eating disorders. We've talked about substance abuse. We've talked about suicide. We've talked about some really, really heavy topics. We've talked about trauma. Tonight, we're ending our crisis nights talking about racial reconciliation. And I am so excited for us to have this conversation together. And I have a guest speaker who's going to be sharing the stage with me. But before we get there, maybe some of you are wondering, man, I, I, I've heard people in, out in like our culture and our world talking about racial reconciliation. But is that really like a Christian topic? Like, is that a biblical topic? Let me show you a few verses real quick. First one I want to show you is this. Do, 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 do. Bible verse up on the screen real quick. Whenever you get a chance. There we go. Ephesians 2.14. This is Paul speaking almost 2,000 years ago. For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, a group that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years hated each other, were prejudicial towards each other, were even racist towards each other. And Paul is saying that Christ has the power to bring these two groups that carry and hold prejudices against one another to bring them together as one. What's interesting is if you really study the New Testament, you'll see that overcoming racism and prejudice is all over the place. Because Jews and Gentiles, they had that racial prejudicial conflict with each other. Let's, let's look at another verse. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the land. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You know what I see here? I see that for all of eternity, we will be worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ who look different than us. That there will be a multitude of ethnicities around the throne. And so if God desires that for all of eternity, we would be able to appreciate each other's ethnic differences, that we'd be able to see the image of God in each other's unique ethnic makeup, that we certainly got to prioritize that here on earth. And then look at this last verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. It's our biblical command that when, our, when a brother, and sis, brother or sister is suffering or hurting, or there's a people group that's suffering or hurting, that our job as Christians is to show empathy, to suffer with. And so today, as we have this really difficult conversation, that our culture 
has not figured out. In fact, as I watch our culture handle this conversation, it has created more and more division. It's created more and more tension. As I watch Fox and CNN, not saying that I even like either of them, I'm just saying as I watch them, what I see is people yelling over each other, trying to win an argument or a point. Very few people are listening and learning and showing empathy and leaning into the conversation. And so because this is a biblical issue and because it's a cultural issue, we're gonna talk about it here tonight. So I just want to jump ahead to Aaron and Eric's story. So I am so excited tonight for, for you to meet one of my heroes, one of my best friends, a guy I look up to, one of my mentors, just a, an incredible man of God. Can you guys welcome up Pastor Aaron? Give Pastor Aaron a round of applause. Thanks, brother. And, uh, and what I've asked Aaron to do tonight is to just share a little bit with us. Aaron and I are going to kind of talk about our friendship. And my hope is that as we navigate this conversation, you'll notice some differences in what you've seen modeled for you out in the world. That Aaron and I are friends. We love each other. We love Jesus more than anything in the world. And because we love each other and because we're friends, we have these kind of conversations. Not only these kinds of conversations, but we have these kinds of conversations. And so my hope is tonight that you would lean into this conversation. And then what we're going to do is we're going to answer your questions. Can we bring this down a little bit, Kareem? So as you, as you hear Aaron share a little bit of his story, there may be some questions that you have. And we want to invite you, just like we do every crisis night, to text in your anonymous questions. We're going to answer them to the best of our ability. And then we're going to break into life groups and your leaders can figure out the rest. So it'll be good. So Aaron, I wanted to start uh, by just, one, thanking you for being here and thanking you for uh, joining me in this conversation. And I just, I love you so much and I'm, I'm so grateful. And the first thing I wanted to, to just say is Aaron and I met in 2019, that uh, we met at kind of a pastor's gathering here in the city. And uh, we were getting kind of a tour of a building. I don't remember much about the tour, except I just was hanging out with Aaron. And he, like, dressed like this. And I was like, I could learn something. You know what I mean? Like, I could learn something from this guy. And so we, uh, we just became friends. We went to uh, Mi Cafecito here in Pomona. He was just coming to the city here as a pastor here in, this, uh, in Pomona. And we just built this friendship, which kind of helped us sort of have some of the deeper, harder conversations, especially that are going on in our culture. And so, Aaron, just to help our students get to know you, my first question for you is this. What was growing up like for you? And can you share a couple of encounters with racism that stand out to you? Absolutely. But before I do that, can you help me honor Pastor Eric for just being a fantastic pastor? Can you give him a round of applause? We honor you. We love you. You're an intentional leader. I love how he knows everyone's name. I love how we're playing the ping pong game. It's just great to be your brother. Amen. And that's it for um, tonight. Let's go, yeah. bud. Let's head up. JK, JK. Um, I grew up, I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, um, I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, I went to a Lutheran school, and the whole school was black. My, my church was black. And we moved to Ontario uh, when I was in sixth grade, and that was the first time I heard the term Mexican. Um, th th that was the first time I was around white people. It, it was crazy. We were the only black people 
um, on our cul-de-sac, but we were the only family with a pool. So then uh, we would have other kids come over because everybody wants to go swimming, right? Anybody don't know how to swim? Wow. Okay, everybody knows how to swim, cool. right? It's cool. Okay. <laughs> Your son raised his hand. He's so honest. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, sweet. I'll confess. So one of the first things my brother and I noticed is when the white kids or the Mexican kids would jump in the pool, they just had this way of just like going like this and their hair magically just went back. <laughs> and, and my brothers, we have flat tops and then we just, our hair didn't move quite the same. So we recognized <laughs> that we were slightly different. That's exactly how my hair looked in junior high. Yeah. What's up, bro? I love that flat top. My goal, like literally my goal is to grow my hair like yours or Terrence, I want to have some dreads. That's what I told my wife. Um, but anyway, anyways, what happened was there was one night, it was Halloween, and my, my cousin came over and he said, hey, let's prank kids. So when they come over, let's get some water guns, and when they say trick-or-treat, act like we're going to give them candy and then pull out a water gun and start shooting at them, right? So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Problem is, we didn't have any water guns. So I was like, we'll just use that 409 bottle. So we got the 409 bottle, poured it out, didn't really rinse it out good, um, <laughs> filled it up with water. So then all of a sudden, a little girl comes, trick or treat, trick or treat. We're like, yeah, we got you. She's like, ah! And we're like, yeah, we got you. But we didn't know, like, we're like burning her eyes. Like, it was terrible. Um, she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And we thought it was just, she was scared because she was a little kid. The problem was we were wrong. There were chemicals that were going on in her eyes. So about three minutes later, we hear pounding on the door. Open the door, you effing niggers! And um, I was scared. My brother was scared. We go in the garage and get shovels. My dad was like, fall back. Um, but my dad goes outside, and they begin to call him a monkey. They begin to call him every name under the book in front of his sons and in front of his wife. The problem was I was in the wrong. I shouldn't have done that, but what does calling my family out of my name have to do with that? Long story short, the family actually lived behind us and their kids actually swam in our pool. So that kind of made it complex. I paid attention to how my dad handled it. Um, he, he walked over there a couple of days later, knocked on the door, apologized again, and he said, hey, if your son wants to come swim at our house, they can swim again. That was kind of my introduction to racism, that for one, it's real, that, that, um, but for two, there's an other option on how you can handle it. So I saw my father choose forgiveness. My father corrected me for being wrong. Um, he told me that, that that is not how we are to be addressed, but he still didn't prevent that from continuing to engage that family. So that's one story. Thanks, man. Um, as you can see, we're going to have a real conversation tonight. And uh, one of the things I love about this community is we have consistently said HSM is the safest place to ask any question. It's the safest place to have any conversation. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're leaning in as we're going to get into some pretty deep, important waters. Yeah. Let me ask you this next question. Yeah. Uh, you and I started to meet up and hang out, and we shared a breakfast together Norms. at Norms. Yes. We had our breakfast at Norms, 
And then a little while later, I sent you a specific text message okay. that uh, sort of led us through my ignorance, led mm-hmm. us into some deeper conversations. Can you share a little bit about that and why that was significant? There was a movie that came out, I think it was called When They See Us. It was about five young black kids that were falsely accused. I told my wife, um, shout out to my wife, she's in the front right there. Um, um, She's Mexican too, by the way, that I found out who Mexicans are. Um, I told my wife, when we go on vacation, it'll be enough time for me to watch that video because I wanted some time to process those emotions. And I remember watching that movie um, and just bawling, crying, and just really angry, and just really, like, just really processing it. So that was my experience with it. Now, fast forward, I'm having lunch with Eric, and he was like, hey, buddy, you know how passionate he is. Hey, buddy, I got 12 questions, and we're going to answer it, and we're going to solve the world right now. He was like, I got this movie. We watched it. We're going to do something about this. We're going to resolve racism. We're going to start something. I'm thinking about doing a podcast. What do you think, right? And that was a lot for me because Pastor Eric was already talking through resolution, and I was still processing grief. So what was, what's great about our relationship is when I shared with him, like, hey, I don't, I don't know if we can talk resolution yet. And if you talk resolution, you may want to have a black guy with you in your, <laughs> in your campaign to do this. But I just loved how safe Eric made me feel to share that with him. And how humble he was to hear that from me. And that that created some safety and some trust. And I want to make a comment on that. I think, uh, you know, Aaron's always been such a safe friend. And, um, you know, when when so much was going on around us and we were all seeing it, um, you know, when I rushed to Aaron to say, Aaron, like, let's do something. What can we do together? What I was trying to communicate. So my intention was to communicate, dude, I'm bothered by this. Let's figure this out together. But my intention didn't necessarily match my impact. So my impact was jumping to a resolution instead of grieving and empathizing and lamenting. And I've learned that around this conversation, it could be so easy for me, and maybe you're like me, but it could be so easy for me to, uh, to not see people and the people that are impacted by these conversations and to want to rush into a solution. And Aaron has been a very helpful guide to me saying, hey, let's pause and let's, let's feel this for yeah. a minute. Yeah. So when you text me and said, hey, we're going to be doing a focus group. We're going to be talking about racial reconciliation. Why don't you come through? We would love to hear your perspective. I text him back and I said, well, I'd be the only black person at the table. Um. And he's like, well, why, why, why does that matter? Like, what does that mean? He's, well, I told him, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm in a Petri dish. I don't want to feel like I'm a project. I don't want to feel like I'm the spokesperson for all black people. So Aaron Levy has a perspective. Aaron Levy has a story. But I, I think sometimes um, there have been situations where people have wanted to get a perspective from me, rushed, and now they think they understand black people. And there's a lot of, t- there's, there's a lot of things um, that I disagree about with people that are black, that are my friends. And that's okay. 
and I and I, I I appreciated Eric in that moment, and again, it helped our relationship because he didn't rush it, um, and I was able to give him that feedback, and he was able to pivot. That's good. Um, I'll never forget the night that I watched the video of George Floyd, and. Um, I remember feeling lots of different emotions and a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty. And um, you were one of the first people I called to just say, how are you doing? Can you process with us a little bit, a white friend calling you, asking you that, how did that hit you? Yeah, um, by that time, we had had more communication um, our relationship had progressed, and I just really loved how you were just next to me while I was grieving. I didn't know how to feel as a black man. I think sometimes, um, I think as a black man sometimes, I feel like when you watch the media and you see so many people angry, then as a black man, am I supposed to be that angry? I, so I'm, I'm processing these things, and I'm so grateful that you just asked me how I was doing. You know, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice Weep with those who weep. So people that you laugh with should ultimately be safe enough for be, to be people that you can cry with. So in that conversation, you weren't thinking through resolution. You were just providing a safe place for me to release. And I think that's what a true friend does. Um, George Floyd being murdered hit my household differently than your household. You recognize that. When, when Amart Arbery was murdered, from that point forward, I've always text messaged my wife and my daughter when I go running because I run in the community. My wife has had conversations with me. Don't run out in the community in Pomona. So it's just a, so that may not be your reality in the Holmstrom's household, but you honor the Levy's household. So you didn't have any proposed resolution. You were just next to me as a brother. I think that was one of the most helpful things that, that you offered me in our friendship as we've had these conversations is when something has happened, some tragedy has happened. Before our friendship, I think I would have been searching for what's the right answer? What can I say to make Aaron feel better? But I think Aaron taught me the power of just saying, hey, I love you. How are you? And just sitting in that together, empathizing, right? The Galatians 6, chapter 2 says, carry one another's burdens, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Um, let me ask you this. How has our relationship been complicated and how has it been a blessing? It's been complicated because I've, I have been um, taken advantage of by white people before. Um, I have been looked upon differently because of how I look. So when you, when you came with so much energy, I had to assess what is your intention? What is your motive? So, but at the same token, being that relationships should be through a biblical lens, if I have an issue with white people, irrespective if I've been the victim in it, God expects me to forgive. So that way I can look at Eric through a new lens. So it's not like I'm exempt and you got to prove to me that you're not going to use me. No, no, I'm a Christian too. So though I have been hurt by white people, that doesn't mean that I don't give Eric an opportunity when he's authentic. So, so it's been complicated because people that have looked like you have treated me a certain way. 
you have not been the case. And I think what's happened, what we have to do is start looking at, for relationships, people that we share values with. A lot of times as Christians, okay, you know, heaven's going to look like this, black people, white people, Asians. Right? So then what, what I'm not saying, I don't think Eric is saying, hey, if you're white, go get a black friend. No, if you're black, find an Asian. Like, that, that's not the campaign. I think, I think it's as, we're, as we are in community, our church should look like the local mall. And our neighbor is whoever's next to us that has a need. So we know that we look differently, but we share the same values. And I think that's how we've been able to continue the relationship. I love that, man. Um, so we've started celebrating our families, the Levy family and the Holmstrom family. We've started celebrating Juneteenth together, which uh, I don't know if it was just I wasn't paying attention in school or we didn't cover it. But I, didn't, I don't remember learning about Juneteenth. Maybe we did, but I don't remember learning about it. Um, and I remember through our relationship beginning to learn a little bit about it. And, and the first year um, I asked, and if you don't know, Ju- Juneteenth is uh, June 19th, uh, celebrating June 19th, 1865, when the last enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, were notified and it was made aware to them, uh, the uh, proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation, that they were free. And so it's an incredibly significant day in our nation's history, uh, a day when the final announcement was made that freedom had begun, that that journey had begun. Uh, so we started celebrating Juneteenth together, and I remember I asked Aaron, I said, hey, man, I've got little kids. I'd love to share with them a little bit about Juneteenth. Could, could, you, could you share something with me? Like, is there a cool, like, kids video on YouTube or something? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. He sent me a 45-slide PowerPoint, okay? Like... It was literally the most detailed doctorate level. And I'm like, bro, my kids are five. This is not going to work, dude. But we started celebrating that together. Um, What's been the significance of that? Yeah, um, Eric has been the first person that's not black that has inquired how I celebrate Juneteenth or can he be a part of it. It meant the world. So it's it's the scripture that you put up earlier. You know, if, if, if one part of the body rejoices, we, we all honor, we all, we all rejoice. If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So, so you saw something that would cause the Levies to celebrate. You love the Levies. You want to celebrate with the Levies. So that, that, that meant everything. That's good. Last question. Why do you think it should be a priority for Christians to have diverse friendships? I think you talked about this, Eric, like um, one of the things that's hard about social media is that we get to pick who we want to follow and who follows us. Mm. So we end up like just hearing from the people we want to hear from, talking to the people we want to talk to. So while everybody's on Instagram or on TikTok, everybody has a way different experience, right? And if we look at the kingdom of God and we look at when Jesus was on earth, he assembled a diverse group of people. He always um, befriended people that looked different. Everybody looked different than Jesus because he was the only one that was sinless. I'm reminded of John chapter 4 when he goes up to a Samaritan woman who's half Jew and half Gentile. Jesus befriended people that other people would not. And if we're going to walk like Jesus, then... We, we have to love God, and one of, the, one of the fruit of loving God is how you treat the person that's next to you. Sometimes the person that's next to you is going to lie on you. Sometimes the person that's next to you is going to hurt you. 
That doesn't mean you have to be their friend. It does mean that God expects us to forgive and he expects us to love. So that's what I would do. Could you just real quick comment? I know I've heard you share before. Uh, how do you understand kind of your racial identity and then your identity in Christ? How does all that kind of work together for you? So, so um, I've had conversations with a few Hebrew Israelites. And um, for those, does, it, does anybody know who, what Hebrew Israelites are? Um, they're a group. <laughs> they're a group. <laughs> Good evening. Um, they're, they're, Terrence they're, has got you, dude. He's been hands up all night, so he's got you. <laughs> there was a man in my church, served faithfully, black man. When this pandemic hit and all this different noise happened, he became a Hebrew Israelite. They mean, what they believe is that um, the gospel is for black men, for black people. And he says, Aaron, I finally know who I am. I felt like he was really searching for his identity. And I told him, we both share the blood of Jesus before we share our African-American blood. And I feel like you're putting that blood over the blood that Jesus spilled for you. So I identify as a Christian man before I identify as a black man. I don't know what I will look like in heaven, but I know I will be in the presence of God. So I'm not, hey, God, make sure that I'm, I'm still like caramel. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think through that. I just want to be with Jesus. And since I want to be with Jesus, I, my identity is in Christ. He has chosen me to be a black man. I'm not going to ignore that. I love the fact that I'm a black man. I, but I also love the fact that I have a Hispanic wife. I also love the fact that I have a white friend because that's the kingdom of God. That's good. That's good. Um, I think one of the things that I see going on in our culture right now, and, and you got to be careful how you have these conversations and, and to ask yourself, am I having this conversation from a political lens and a political perspective or from a Christian perspective? Okay. I think one of the things I've learned from you, uh, or, or, you know, as I observe culture, th there's people in our culture who would say, uh, I don't see color. And then there's other people in our culture that would say, I only see color. That color is everything or I don't see it. And I think what, what you've helped me understand and, and the way when I, when I think about my friend Aaron, I would say, I see color. Because his skin color has had an impact on his life. There's been beautiful aspects of that and there have been challenging, painful aspects of that. So I see, by saying I see your color, what I'm saying is I, I, I see and I empathize with the pain and the joy and the beauty, but it's not all that I see, right? So it's not everything that Aaron is. It's a part of him, but it's not everything. And his first and foremost is his identity in Christ. Amen. And so Aaron, I'm so excited to hear. Uh, can we go ahead and invite up the panel at this point, which I think is Kaylee joining us. Guys, give Kaylee a round of applause. <laughs> And what we want to do here for just 10 or 12 minutes or so is we want to quickly answer any questions that you have. We recognize this is a big topic, so I want you all to get out your phones right now. You can anonymously text your questions. Let's go to the next slide real quick. You can anonymously text your questions to 909-713-4152. What questions do you have 
about racial reconciliation, about racism, about how do we think about this as Christians. Any questions that you have, uh, Claire's going to hand them out, going to pass, or going to uh, share those questions with us, and then we're going to go ahead and and answer them. So, absolutely. Let's so let's jump, jump on in. Jump on in. Thank you, everyone, for your awesome and honest questions as always. I can't believe this is our last crisis night, so let's just get to it. Um, I would love to throw this to anyone who wants to answer. We have a student asking, why is it still necessary to talk about this topic? I thought racism was over. Whoa. That's a good question. It's a great question. Kaylee, would you want to take a stab at it? <laughs> okay. okay. Um, yeah, uh, thank you so much for asking that because I think it is important for us to know that in order for us to be able to grow in this, we have to be able to ask these questions. And sometimes I think the world makes us feel like we are not allowed to, otherwise we will just be attacked, basically. Um, but what I would say is that racism at its core is a sin issue. And so as we are trying to be more like Christ and we are living our lives here on earth and this is not our final home, we are gonna deal with these issues of racism. And, at, and also at the core, I would say that racism is just a bias. It's not just a bias, but it is a bias that we'll have. We'll look at someone and we'll make a judgment call on them, and a lot of times that's wrong. And so that's why it's important that we keep bringing that awareness. That's so good. Um, Aaron and Eric, you kind of touched on this a little bit right at the end, and maybe Aaron, if you don't mind answering for us, um, we have another great question. What does the phrase, I don't see color, convey to people of color? For, for me, uh, this is not for me, um, I think it's a way of not, I think it's being afraid of confrontation. Um, then you don't see me. I look different than you. Um, so I think, I think it's an think innocent way of trying to avoid confrontation. Yeah, Kaylee, anything else? Yeah, um, yeah I think it can convey this idea that um, kind of what we said with the last question, that the conversation almost isn't worth having. Um, and quick side story is I actually did have a friend who shared that and um, I remember that she had posted about it on her Instagram during 2020 kind of when everything was really tense and she just got so many negative comments about what she what she said and it really hurt her because I think she did not understand the pain that some people experience and so her and I actually got to have a conversation about that, like in person, off of social media. And I really got to hear her heart and her intention behind it. And her and I both got to kind of learn from the other, that perspective. And so um, that phrase overall can be painful, but I think it's also important for us to not allow that pain to, I guess, draw ourselves closer to that person and to try to br build that bridge with them so that they can kind of understand better. Thank you, so good, Kaylee. Maybe we'd love to throw this one to Eric and or Aaron. We have a question asking, doesn't it say in the Bible to not look at race? And so maybe you guys have kind of talked about identity and kind of that primary identity. 
what does the Bible have to say about what we're talking about? Yeah, well, number one, great question, right? Like, this is not a cultural conversation. We're having a Christian conversation. And the temptation is, the world will tell you that this is a cultural conversation and not a Christian biblical conversation, but we need to have this conversation in-house. Um, so I, I would, one, want to see that verse and read it in context. Um, but when I think about the New Testament, especially Paul, as he's writing to churches, he specifically will talk to Gentiles, identifying that as an ethnic group. He'll specifically talk to Jews, which is an ethnic group. Uh, when Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, we are one in Christ, he's not saying that we lose our ethnic identity, just like he's not saying we lose our uh, biological or our gender identity. Um, what he's saying is our oneness in Christ is the most important thing, and that those ethnic differences that culture might want to use to separate us, uh, Christ can bring us together and we can celebrate it. And my response would be, study deeply Revelation 7, 9 to 10. The Bible says that at the, in the end, for all of eternity, all the ethnicities, the, the Greek word is ethnos. It's literally where we get ethnicities from. That all of the ethnos will surround the throne. And so God's picture of the kingdom of God and of heaven is all ethnicities around the throne. And what we have to reclaim, I think, in our culture is learning about each other's ethnic cultures, um, listening and learning to the beauties and the burdens that have come with that and those experiences, and then carrying each other's burdens, loving each other, and remembering that our oneness in Christ is what brings us together more than any other thing. So Aaron and I are, are not uh, connected and friends because we share the same ethnicity. It's because we're brothers in Christ and so because we're brothers in Christ, we can learn about each other's cultural upbringings and experiences. That's so good. That's so good. And I want to kind of start to finish our night with a few questions related to friendship. And I think this is so cool because I can tell through these questions that the stories of your friendship, Eric and Aaron, and Kaylee and the story that you shared with your friend are really impacting our students. And I, and I love that here in this community, as we're trying to pursue the biblical culture of us being the church, of really being, as you referenced, Aaron, um, the people who mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So we have some really awesome questions about friendship. And um, I would love to throw this question to Aaron. We have a student sharing with us very bravely, I'm comfortable with my friends that look like me. Where do I start with, with creating friendships with people who don't look like me? That's an excellent question. It's an ex I'm so proud of that question. I think it starts in prayer. So, so, you know, sixth grade, I moved to Ontario. Everybody on the cul-de-sac looks different than me. It's just, it's just different. Um, so with, with prayer, uh, prayer allows God to just change your heart. You know, the greatest warrior in the Bible was David, but he, he in the book of Psalms, it's a place where he just released his emotions. God, I, I'm not comfortable not being around people that don't look like me. I'm, I, can you open my heart to that? So I wouldn't start with interviewing people. Hey, you want to be my friend? I wouldn't start there at all. It just starts with being honest with God 
hey, I'm, I'm not as comfortable around white people. Hey, I'm just, I'm just not as comfortable around black people. God can handle that. God will be proud of us when we're just really being that honest. And God, show me what's in me that's causing that to happen. I just want to be open to love whoever is near me. So, Lord, may I be open for a relationship you assign? And as, and as we're intentionally praying that, uh, we may meet people that look different than us, but then also add value to our lives. Here's what I will say, though, about friendships. Please don't be friends with people you don't share values with. So if, if Eric and I don't have the same values, I shouldn't be invited to his house. But it's, we both love our wives. We both love our kids. We both love our community. So you should be uncomfortable around people who don't share the same values. Okay, Lord, I can't be a racist, so I got to be around this group. No, no, that's not your lifestyle. But at the same token, if people share your values but they look different, it may be an awesome relationship. Can I also just add very practically, I want you to think Christianly. I want you to think theologically about this. Jesus said, love your neighbor. This is not like, this isn't a go find a black friend, right? Or, or somebody that you can say, we had, a, we had a race conversation with. This is love people. Aaron's wife's name is Erica. They love to go on trips because Erica is like me. She loves a good time, right? She loves to have a great time. Aaron is one of the most fashionable people. He's got 50 pairs of Crocs and it's only growing, right? He's got faith in Trinity and Eileen, his daughters. They live in Ontario. He's a pastor, a preacher. We have so many, so many years of friendship. And so love people. Build relationships. Learn to ask great questions. That's how you love people. Ask questions. Get to know people. Have some curiosity. Rather than making assumptions about what somebody's experience is like. Or I love what Aaron says. Aaron doesn't represent all black people, right? He represents one black man. That's what he represents. And so I've gotten to know him and his story. Not how do black people think, but how does Aaron think and feel? So just be Christians. Just love, love your neighbors. That's so good. That's so good. Kaylee, could you take this next question, especially with what you shared about kind of that hard conversation that you had with a friend in your life? We have a question saying, I have a friend who makes a lot of racist jokes, and I know that it's best for him to stop. How can I personally convince him to stop making these kinds of jokes? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I think kind of going off of what Aaron and Eric said, like, as we are, I guess, walking in life and as we are growing as Christians, these things do take time. Um, and so there is this kind of battle to not allow, like, maybe the hurt that you might experience, especially if some of the things that that friend says maybe, like, offend you personally, um, to not allow that pain. And sometimes I think that's the difficult thing is sometimes Satan can even use our pain as a wall to not get closer to someone. Um, but it might be just asking questions that makes that person think like, hey, why do you, why do you say that? You know, like, you know, those um, comments that you're making, like they can offend people and maybe asking them why. And I think by doing that and by staying with them, because sometimes when we're asked questions first, we're going to get defensive. And his first response might be to laugh it off or to um, 
to maybe even try to push you away. And so it's sticking there with him and showing like, hey, like if you show this potentially ugly side of yourself, like I'm not gonna leave. Um, and for all of us as Christians, it's knowing that we don't leave. And again, we have to be careful with this because there are some instances where, where we do need to, but um, that we don't leave because Christ has seen the ugly in us and that he isn't leaving, and, leaving us and he won't. That's so good, Kaylee. I'll ask something really quick. In any friendship, correction tests the connection. So, so it's not our job to convince someone else to change. It is our job, if we're convicted about something, to go to our neighbor and let them know this is not God's best. Now, whatever they do with that, it's going to test the connection as friends. But as us being friends, I have to be open for Eric's correction and vice versa. So he'll be next to me and he loves me by saying, hey, help me understand what you meant when you said that. Mm-hmm. Now, if I take it the wrong way and I never change, now Eric has a decision to make on distancing himself from me, which is fine. He can still love me, but he may not need to always do life with me if I'm not willing to change. That's so good. Yeah, as you were sharing that, Aaron and Kaylee, I think one thing that came to mind is in initiating that conversation, it might be helpful to say in private, in person, hey, because I love you, could I share with you maybe some of the ways that other people are experiencing you or perceiving you, especially in some of these jokes? And kind of asking that permission, I think, might help create um, a more relaxed atmosphere and loving atmosphere within that friendship. Okay, let's do a couple more. As a white person, I don't always feel welcome in conversations around race. How do I show my friends of color that I want to have these conversations? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. And um, I can definitely say I've, I've, I've felt that and I resonate with that feeling. And I think my answer early on would be, if I wanna be in those conversations, I need to have a lot of strong opinions and be, uh, like coming with solutions to Aaron in our friendship. And again, what he taught me is uh, through listening and through empathy and through just lamenting. You know, like you, you guys know something, something really horrible happens in one of your friend's lives. There's nothing you can say to make it better, right? There's nothing you can say to fix it. And you want to, you want to fix it. You want to come up with that perfect line to make things better and and the most profound thing you can do the most loving thing you can do is just say I love you and I'm here and uh, I think if you're if you're white and you're wanting to engage in these conversations uh, what I am still learning is that leading with listening is the best posture and that I'll oftentimes ask Aaron I'll say hey Aaron um, let me know if this offends you. I got a question. Or I'm going to say this statement. Please let me know how that lands with you. So I'm letting him know in the front end, hey, my goal is not to be right here. Like I'm not trying to convince you. I, 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 I want to preserve our friendship. Um, and I'm willing to be corrected. I'm willing to be challenged. And I want to I wanna open up to that. And then we've had in our space a lot of opportunities for me to ask questions and wrestle with things. I'd say start with listening. That's so good. Let's make this our last question. And then um, Kaylee, can you take this one? And then Eric and Aaron will wrap us up. 
kind of related, how can I carry the burden of someone who has experienced racism when I don't know what to say or do? Yeah, I, I feel like that is, um, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think that a lot of times we feel like we have to say something, kind of like what, um, what Eric had just mentioned. And um, we can put this pressure on ourselves to think that we have to say like that exact right thing in order to like make it all better. Um, but sometimes in some of these moments when someone's experiencing something and it's, you know, it's, I would say it's not even just racism, it's like other things that we've even talked about in previous crisis nights when we don't understand. Um, silence speaks so loudly in those moments in the sense of just showing that you were there with them. If you're just sitting with them, if you're even just saying like, hey, like I may not, not understand fully what this is that you're experiencing, but I am here for you and I'm here to walk through this with you and not just, not just leaving them in that moment, but continuing on. Just like what we talked about earlier about this is what it means to carry the burdens of someone else, especially when those burdens do not fall on us. Um, so that's what I would say. Thanks, Kaylee. Yeah. I'm gonna ask Aaron to just quickly give us one last thought and then uh, I'm gonna dismiss us for our groups. Um, I think in Christianity, we're calling a lot of people our friends that aren't our friends. We're around them, we like them, we have fun with them. But a friend is someone you can go deep with. A friend is someone where I, I, I don't have to be so filtered with Eric. I'm, I'm okay to get it wrong because I trust he'll forgive me. So I would just say be mindful in those relationships. And if you are in this room and you've hurt someone because you acted racist towards them, or if you're hurt because you have felt like you've been treated with racism, um, that is, I, I would really encourage you to talk to God about that. And then in some cases, talk to your leaders about that and process that out loud. Um, the, the cross is everything. So, so I, 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 would, I would love, you're going to close this in prayer? Okay. So that I would just love us to reflect on if you've experienced racism or through this conversation, if you, man, I've been joking a little too much about that. I've been saying this word and I shouldn't be saying this word. It's not the end of the world. Because we're in a safe place where we say, you know what, I confess that, you know what, I wasn't taking this as serious as I should have. And this is the space where we can pray, confess that, ask for forgiveness, and move forward in that. I love that. I think right now in our culture, the word racism is like the most scary word. Like, it'd be so scary if somebody called you a racist, right? And maybe someone has called you that. I mean, it feels like you're labeled with something that you can never get out from under. And I think what I hear Aaron saying is, Maybe in, in some ways, how have you been racially insensitive? How have you uh, said things or maybe even thought things that you go, man, that doesn't reflect how God thinks. Or maybe someone else's racial insensitivity has negatively impacted you. And how can you process that with your groups? I think that's, that's beautiful. Um, we're going to do a strong pivot here. Uh, Justin, do you have a chance to do a few things?